think it kind of started by looking on Pinterest. So I just started looking at tiny homes on there and renovated caravans and I just fell in love with them and decided, hey, you know, this seems like it would really suit me. Welcome to Somewhere Else, the podcast that chats to people living in weird and wonderful ways. Each episode, your hosts, Domain Editors January Jones and Rose Donahue, interview someone who's ditched the white picket fence for the path a little less travelled. Good morning, Rose. Good morning, January. How are you? How's your week been? Uh, It's been pretty good, actually. Busy, but good. What about you? Well, um, I have moved into my new Amsterdam apartment. It's probably been two months now. Um, I've managed to get a sublet through a friend of a friend. So my boyfriend and I are in a one-bedroom place. I've never lived in a one-bedroom place before. Yeah, I was going to say, how are you going with that? Have you got enough space? Well, it's pretty big for an Amsterdam apartment, I think. People are obsessed with square meterage over here. It's really funny. When you're renting a place... All people tell you is the price and the square meterage before you even see a photo or see where it is because I think people are a bit more obsessed with space when you are, when you know you're going to be in an apartment. You want to squeeze out every extra metre that you can. What about the staircase, how, how steep your staircase is? <laughs> I'm actually not in one of those old Dutch <laughs> um, house setups, which is good because I've lived in one of those before and those are the ones that tend to have mice and rats. Yeah, I couldn't so, believe it the um, first time I saw one of those staircases and had to go up three flights of it. It's cr- it's almost vertical. I know, they're crazy. They're not, yeah, they're not very um, friendly to people who are less fit or able to walk up tiny stairs. I've actually got an elevator and I'm on the fourth floor. So it's a bit more of a modern setup. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't exactly say I'm living in a tiny apartment. It's pretty good, really. But the people we're talking to today have definitely squeezed their lives into smaller spaces. So people love reading and talking about tiny houses on domain, we've noticed. What do you think it is that captures their imagination so much with them? I think it's the possibility. There's endless possibilities. I mean, firstly, they look really great, as we've seen, and as we saw um, last season with Dolly's tiny home. And I guess it offers a different lifestyle. I mean, people, like we talk about as well, price house prices and rental prices are increasing. And this offers some, like people another option and they can reduce their bills, reduce their house costs, So I think that's really appealing for a lot of people. Yeah, I think so. I do also wonder, though, how much the Instagram factor plays in here because, I mean, we we, we spoke to Dolly Rubiano last season who has the most beautiful, picturesque doll's house of a tiny home and I just I wonder how perfect my tiny home would look if I took photos of it and whether it would just look like a scary little hovel. Um, like I, I wouldn't want people Probably to would. jump into this thinking that all of the tiny homes are going to look like dollies. No, no, definitely not. I think those ones just perhaps don't have Instagram accounts. <laughs> That's true. I have actually noticed um, it just sort of talking about tiny homes around the world, I have noticed in Amsterdam something really cool. They've they've converted all of the old um, bridge keepers' houses. Uh, the bridge keepers were the people who used to open and close all the bridges on the canals in Amsterdam, and they've converted them all into tiny hotels, which are really tiny. Like you can't even put your luggage in there when you stay the night, but they're really cool to ride around and look at. 
Fantastic. Yeah, they're cool. Well, we got some statistics from the Tiny Society in the US. 89% of tiny house owners have less credit card debt than the average Australian and 60% of people living in tiny houses are under 50. So it's definitely a trend with, I think, millennials in particular. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a growing thing. I mean, it started in the US and now we've seen that it's more popular in Australia and the UK and Canada. Um, I think it's still hard to figure out legally sort of, you know, where you put the tiny home, whether it's legal or not. I think there's a lot of grey area there. Dolly was telling us that last season. Mm. Um, but we went to the streets to ask people whether they'd consider living in a tiny home. I definitely could not live in a small space or a tiny house because I feel like my one-bedroom apartment is small enough as it is. Uh, Probably not long-term, but uh, friends and I have actually just booked a holiday to go stay in a tiny house, so I'm excited. (laughs) They seem kind of fun, uh, but I also like big rooms. I recently stayed in a tiny house for the first time on Airbnb and I loved it. Not more than a day or two, honest. I I like having my space. My daughter and son-in-law are building a tiny house down in Kangaroo Valley. Personally, would I live in a tiny house? Absolutely not. Each to their own, I guess. <laughs> Our guest today knows all about small living. Photographer and pet minder Amy Forbes had been living in Sanford, Queensland and working three jobs to stay afloat. Tired of the stress and having no time to enjoy her life, Amy bought and renovated a caravan and parked it on a friend's property. Since moving into the caravan, Amy has reduced her bills and her working hours, meaning she can spend more time with those she loves most, her two dogs, Edge and Luna. So, Amy, welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So, how do you go living with two dogs in a little caravan? Well, it it can be challenging at times because uh, my two dogs are border collies and they do shed a lot of hair. So uh, being in a small space actually means that I have to clean more, whereas some people would think, you know, living in a small space, you'd have to clean less because there's less space to clean. But it just means that you have to clean more often. So that is probably um, the hardest part about living in the van with two dogs, but they're totally worth all the hair. And they're not small dogs, are they, Amy? How big is your caravan, roughly? So the caravan is about six metres long, um, and I think it's about like two and a half metres wide. So yeah, it is a bit of a a small space to be living with two, you know, medium to large sized dogs. But (laughs) when I actually built the van and redesigned it inside, I kind of kept in mind that they're going to have to need you know, some space to be comfortable. So I actually elevated the bed. So underneath the bed, which is a double-sized bed, um, they've got their own little bedroom and that's where they tend to hang out most of the day and stuff when I'm at home. So, yeah. Oh, that sounds so cute. Um, So take us back to your decision-making process. So how did you decide to do this? I can't really remember the specific time that I decided I'm going to go into a tiny house, but I think it kind of started by looking on Pinterest. So I just started looking at tiny homes on there and renovated caravans and I just fell in love with them and decided, hey, you know, this seems like it would really suit me. And if I lived that way, it means that my cost of living would be significantly reduced. And that was just so appealing to me. So that's probably what motivated me the most. And at the time, were you renting in a, in a major city? Were you paying a lot of rent? 
So I've been living in Stanford Valley for about eight years and I was renting granny flats and small spaces on other people's properties. So out in Stanford, there's quite a bit of acreage here and lots of people have granny flats for rent. So the average cost to rent a small space out here is like at least $300 a week. And I mean, to a, to someone like myself, like $300 a week is still a lot of money. I know that's probably cheaper than most places close to the city, but um, for someone on their own, that's still a lot of money to be paying each week. Yeah, definitely. And where did you find this caravan? It looks beautiful, your photos, and we'll put um, we'll put a link to your Instagram page in our show notes. But tell me about, yeah, how you came to find it. So I started looking at um, a couple of websites online, you know, old caravans for sale. The main website I was looking at was Gumtree, and I actually found the van advertised on Gumtree, and it said, fully renovated inside and out and it fit my criteria and there was a few things I was looking for like I wanted to find a van that was registered because a lot of the older vans that aren't registered may have rust on the chassis and it can be hard to then have it registered and be able to move it so that was one of the things that I I was happy about and another thing was the size so knowing that it was going to be the dogs and I in there and also that I wanted to install a bathroom into the van so yeah I saw this van and I thought oh that's perfect so I went and had a had a chat with the owners and ended up buying the van but uh, shortly after buying the van when I went to install the bathroom I discovered that they hadn't actually renovated the caravan at all and there was no insulation oh no which is then what led me to ripping everything out and starting from scratch yeah what a rip-off yeah it was pretty disappointing and it happens a lot because a lot of people what they had done is stuck fresh walls over the old walls and just given a few things here and there, a fresh coat of paint, but they actually hadn't, you know, done what they said they'd done. So there was no insulation and living in Queensland, Australia, it's hot in summer and can be cold in the winter. So you really need insulation. Did you feel like driving over to their house with the caravan and just dropping it on their, on their front <laughs> I did. I really did. Um, I actually did try and contact them afterwards just to sort of question why they – because I had a, a screenshot on my phone of um, the ads where it said fully renovated inside and out and a description on the listing. And so I did question them about it, but they were uncontactable. And I just sort of thought, oh, well, I'll just move on. There's not much I can really do. There's not really any legal – you know, standpoint here. So I just kind of learnt from that experience and shared that story a little bit with some followers on Instagram so that if anyone else was going to do the same thing, just to be mindful of that. Yeah, well, look, you've made it into something incredible, so you should feel really proud of that. Um, Why did you choose a caravan and not a tiny home? Well, um, originally I chose a tiny home. So for about six months when I first decided I was going to go tiny, I spent many, many weeks like drawing up a design for a, a traditional tiny house that you see. Um, but I found, and this is going back three years now, I found at the time in you know, my research, I found it really hard to find tiny house builders um, in Australia. There's only, from what I could find at the time, there was only a handful and the style of homes they were building as well weren't really what I was after. So I decided to actually explore the option of building it myself. And after doing that, I also discovered that it was going to be super expensive to build like the trailer alone for a um, traditional tiny home was going to be at least $10,000 and then finding a builder on top of that to build it. And then also the car that you need to be able to tow something that size. So I would have been investing over $100,000, whereas 
with the caravan that I bought and going down this path, I have actually only invested uh, 20000 Wow. And it was obviously, was it mostly a financially motivated decision for you, Amy, to do this or was it lifestyle yeah, as well? Yeah, I think so. I think um, a little bit of both, but definitely mainly the financial aspect of it. Just, you know, at the moment I'm living on a private um, piece of land, renting off an older lady, and I only pay $75 a week. So, yeah, it's oh, just wow. amazing. I can save a lot of money now. Yep. And yeah. I'm proud to say I'm 28 and I own my own home. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, what was the biggest difficulty with choosing to live a lifestyle like this? To be honest, I'm, I don't know. There's not really many difficult aspects. It's, I suppose it's just been a bit of a learning curve, like living in the van and um, just taking day by day, you, you have new experiences. For example, when I actually first moved into the van a year and a half ago, my renovation wasn't complete, so I'd actually moved in before everything was finished. Um, so some of the challenges were... Um, just getting the power set up properly. Like it was a bit of trial and error for a while where I had, I'm off grid with solar and, you know, sometimes I just run out of power. And um, so I had to kind of keep experimenting until I got to a point where, you know, I wouldn't run out of power. Um, the most annoying part would be uh, the toilet. So I've actually got a porta potty like what you see in most caravans, but I have to carry the toilet waste once a week to a septic tank and tip it in myself. So that is definitely oh. the most annoying part. <laughs> Amy, that's a real test. I know, but I just don't let anyone else use my toilet. I'm like, nope, that's my toilet. <laughs> you can't yeah. use my toilet. And it's worth, you know, to pay $75 a week, like that's a small price to pay in my eyes. Yeah, I was going to say, thank God you're living on your own. Yes, I don't <laughs> think I could share that um, that job with somebody else. That burden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Did friends and family of yours sort of imagine that you might do something like this? Are you known as a handy person or does it did it come as a surprise when you told them you wanted to take on this project? Um, I think... You know, my my friends and family are really supportive, but I don't think anyone really believed that I was going to do it until I actually did it and they saw it for themselves. Um, not that I really have, you know, proved myself to be someone who talks about something and then not doing it. I've always, you know, if I say something, I will do it. But I think a project like this is pretty big and I'd never done anything like it before. And no, I didn't have any, you know, carpentry or building experience. I kind of just learned as I went along. So yeah, they were really supportive, but yeah, until they saw the end product, that's, you know, they're really proud of me now. Yeah, I can imagine. And can you have them over for dinner and stuff? Can you entertain in the caravan? Well... I can, but it, because it's such a small space, it's not really that comfortable to have people sitting inside. So I've actually built like a little picnic table outside and I've got a barbecue there. So if I do have people over, we tend to sit outside. But if there is bad weather, then obviously that ruins those sorts of plans and people tend not to come over. And do you have much to do with your neighbour whose property you're living on? Yeah, I, I do. Like, she's an older lady who lives on her own and she lost her husband um, many years ago. So she's a bit a bit lonely. So for her, me living here was uh, a bit of a benefit to her because I'm a I'm company for her. You know, she says to me things like, you know, even just coming in the driveway or checking the letterbox and knowing that there's somebody else there just makes her feel so much better. 
Um, and I do help her around the property as well. So I'll take the bins down for her and bring mail up and check in on her every now and then. So I think these sort of situations are really beneficial to older people who may be feeling a bit lonely or need help around the property. That's so lovely. I love hearing that. Yeah, that's a really nice um, added benefit, I guess, because I, I was going to ask, do you ever feel isolated, you know, living on your own on a property like this? Um. I, I actually do sometimes. I do get a bit lonely, but when I do, I just go, all right, well, I'll go out and see someone. And I think for me, you know, I get a bit lo- more lonely because I do also work mainly from home. So as a photographer, you know, I do see people for photo shoots, but then a lot of my work is done at home on my own. And when I'm pet minding, I'm just seeing animals, you know. So I think for me, yes, living on my own, it does get a bit lonely. And it would be probably nice to you know, one day even find like a tiny house community, like a large block of land where I can park and there's other people like me and we all sort of share land and live together. That's something that I think would be really nice. But unfortunately, I think those sort of setups are quite rare in our in Australia because um, you're not really supposed to live like this. It's illegal. Yeah, and are you are you part of any sort of like caravan or tiny home communities? No, I'm not. No, I'm just just a person living in a caravan. I'm not part of any any group, no. Okay. I just I sort of imagine that there might be a sort of online groups or forums where people sort of trade ideas and oh, places look, to there's, stay there's and a, Yeah, there there is actually um I've noticed recently on Facebook there's a couple of groups that have popped up locally for where I'm living in Queensland where, um, you know, there's a page called Land uh, Tiny House Land for Rent uh, and there's people that own property that advertise, um, hey, you can come and live here um, with your tiny home or people actually advertise themselves in a tiny home and say, hey, this is who I am. Has anyone got some lands that I can rent? off them. So there are groups like that. I don't tend to get too involved in them just because I'm not in need of somewhere to live at the moment, but there's definitely support out there for people who live in tiny homes. And what's the best part about this? Like, What's the thing that has surpassed your expectations with this new lifestyle? I just like that I'm really independent and I have more freedom. So, you know, I can live wherever I want pretty much. I'm I'm really happy living in the van. And what would you say to somebody else considering doing this? I would probably suggest to somebody else um, to maybe rent like a van, like a, a travelling van and, and like a motorhome or something and stay in that and take a short trip or a longer trip and see if they like the lifestyle. Um, you know, they could hire that and live on a friend's block or actually take a holiday and live that lifestyle and see if it suits them because, I mean, some people it just may not suit them. There's some people that need more space um, and wouldn't feel comfortable living in a small space. And in a way, you're kind of, for me, I'm kind of camping a little bit. Like, you know, I've got um, the toilet that I've got to empty. I've got my uh, my Weber outside that I cook on. So it sort of feels a little bit like camping. Yeah, and some people don't like camping, so... Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's interesting how many how many people we speak to, Amy, tell us, say uh, their advice would be for people to test out the lifestyle yeah. before they commit fully. So I think that's good advice. Last question. If you suddenly ended up in a larger space, what's the first thing you'd buy? I don't know. I think because I'm quite a 
I'm maybe nothing because I'm a bit of a minimalist. So like everything I own in the van has to serve a purpose. Like I have to use it. If I don't use something for six months, I won't keep it. I'll sell it or give it away or something. So I don't really know. I think if there was anything I desired for a large space, I'd probably have it. And that's something I would have worked towards, but I'd prefer to have a small space with not much stuff. So I don't know. I can't answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're perfectly suited to the caravan lifestyle. Amy, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Um, We'll put the the link to your beautiful Instagram account in our show notes so people can see what we're talking about. Thanks so much, Amy. Thanks so much. No worries at all. Thank you. Bye. Hi, my name is Lisa. My partner Matt and I built a tiny house on a property in the Blue Mountains. Uh, We use it over the weekends and on days off. So our house is on 16 acres. The block is mainly bush when we're staying there. It's just so nice. The birds are singing, the grasshoppers are doing their thing. It's such a beautiful setting. I've been obsessed with tiny houses for quite a long time before I met Matt. And Matt is a bathroom renovator and plumber. So he owns his own business called Hobbs Bathroom Company. So he's got construction and building and all that sort of stuff up his sleeve. And I've just got loads and loads and loads of pictures of tiny houses and ideas and things I want to try out. So the house is 2.4 metres wide, the length is 9 metres long and the height is 4.3 metres from the base of the trailer. The outside is cladded in colourbond steel in the colour monument and we have a rake at either end which is a bit of a design feature, not for any particular purpose but it just looks really nice. Inside the house at one end you have an 8 foot high French doors which open up into a couch and lounge area. The couch has storage underneath it and it's wide enough to almost be a single bed. Walking through the house, you walk into a kitchen space. Uh, You have a big long bench on the left-hand side and then stairs which hold all of our appliances going up on the right-hand side. Beyond the kitchen, we've got a bathroom. This is probably the fanciest feature of the house. It's got a flushing toilet. We have vanity with recycled timber. We've got full-length mirrors with storage. We've got three showers in the shower space, two from the roof and then a handheld one as well. The shower also has a window which looks out into the view of the valley and the trees beyond it. It's quite a nice space. Up the stairs, we have two lofts. Uh, with a walkway in between. One side, uh, we've got a king-size bed in there. Then if you walk across the walkway, it leads onto a second loft. We also have five skylights, which span the length of the house as well. Uh, They all open up and have blinds on. The cats have their own separate outdoor space. It's enclosed completely, so the local wildlife are safe from them and they're safe also from the local wildlife. We do have a dog. Gus, when we're home, he's inside with us most of the time. He's fairly big, so he takes up a lot of room on the couch. But when he's outside, he's just got so much room to run around, so he's stoked. So our tiny house is our design. When we built it, we got approached by the Living Big in a Tiny House guys in New Zealand, and they came and did a photo shoot and a video. 
and our Instagram and our social presence just went off the charts, viral. It was insane for a solid few months and um, people were requesting plans and we thought, all right then. So we got a draftsman to draw up some architectural drawings of the house itself, all the measurements and yeah, we put them online for sale. So the whole plan and design is around functionality and I think because we planned it out over such a a long period of time, it makes it a super functional space. Okay, and now for our favourite segment of the week, January, it's pop culture homework, where I recommend you this week something to watch, read or listen to related to the theme of the week, which of course is small living. I can't wait. Drum roll, please. Don't panic. But this week we have a panic room. Woohoo! <laughs> the 2002 classic and the synopsis which follows. Trapped in their New York brownstones panic room, a hidden chamber built as a sanctuary in the event of break-ins, newly divorced Meg Altman, played by Jodie Foster, and her young daughter Sarah, who's a young Kristen Stewart, play a deadly game of cat and mouse with three intruders. Burnham, Forrest Whitaker, Raoul, Dwight Yoakam, and junior Jared Leto, big cast in here, Yeah, during really a brutal is. home invasion. But the room itself is the focal point because what the intruders really want is inside it. Bum, bum, bum. And it's not Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart? It's not? That's not what they want? Oh, no. Sorry, I thought you were saying <laughs> that they're not the ones in the film. I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. <laughs> no, that, they definitely That film was so bizarre. Can we all just ask each other for a second, what is a panic room and did that concept ever take off? Or is this just a super rich people thing that I've never heard of? Oh, it has to be. I mean, I've never heard of it before. Yeah, who needs a panic room (laughs) is a good question. (laughs) Kristen Stewart, apparently. That must have been one of her first roles. She must have been about 14 years old. Yeah, and I actually found a fun fact on IMDb that apparently Kristen Stewart grew more than three inches during filming of the project. So she was smaller (laughs) than Jodie Foster at the beginning and then she was taller than her. That is truly a random movie fact. You'll only find that in the depths of the internet late at night, January. Yeah, I wonder if they put Jodie Foster on a little step to make sure she was still taller. Oh, I remember hearing that they had a real mother-daughter relationship and then Jodie Foster was a real mentor to Kristen Stewart, so that's nice as well. That is very nice. All right, what, Rose? Well, it's been great chatting to you, but um, we better get back to work, so I'll bid you adieu. All good things must come to an end. Speak to you next week, JJ. Bye. Thanks for listening to Somewhere Else, a podcast by Domain. Somewhere Else is produced by January Jones, Rose Donahue, and Kate Bartels. It is edited by Steve Claxton. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends. Send us to your mum. It's how we get the word out. We'll see you soon, somewhere else. This episode of Somewhere Else was brought to you by Domain Insurer. Powered by property experts, Domain Insurer is a smart, simple way to purchase insurance. Get a quote in under two minutes at domain.com.au forward slash insurance forward slash podcast. Domain Insurer AFSL 502088 for the insurer Zurich Australian Insurance LTD AFSL 232504.